And what the heck was that? Welcome back to the Constitutional Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is a premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. We're back. 272. Of the show you forgot that you subscribe to. I think that's a tagline to this. I think, excuse me, it's not a tagline. It's the one I made up. So it's a tagline. I'm trying to find the clock on my phone so I can start the stupid stopwatch. And I, oops. Oh, God. Oh, we're all we're all over the place here. Trying something different. I loaded every single page uh, that I needed to open. It's not that many. So hopefully, you know, it's, uh, oh, no, the frog is here. Michigan J Frog is here. 272. Remember Michigan Michigan J Frog is from uh the WB. And he he would from <laughs> Warner Brothers cartoons, but he came he became the mascot and he's a frog that uh, a, a down on his luck guy found. And uh he would only sing when the guy was by himself alone and sing. <laughs> and he would sing he would sing standards of the era like Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. Uh, I uh, <laughs> I used to watch a lot of uh, Cartoon Network when I was a child. Used to, still do. Let me look up Michigan J Frog. It's great that uh, I figured out the buzzing issue that was coming from the uh, iPad hooked up via USB C to three point five millimeter jack. Uh, that is connected to the Zoom H6. It wasn't that much to figure out. So Michigan J. Frog came from the WB movie Merry Melodies. He's a frog. He's got a top hat. He looks like a regular frog when he's in regular frog mode. But then he stands up and sings. He's created by Chuck Jones, the prolific cartoon creator. So he sings Hell I'm a Baby, the Michigan Rag. <laughs> I'm just wild about Harry. Come back to Arian. Throw him down McCloskey. And that's the type of song. Uh, you know, those are, yeah, I'm not going to name every single song because there's a lot. Now he's currently vo- voiced by uh, Jeff Bergman and Jeff Bennett. And Jeff McCarthy. You know, there's a lot of Jeffs just voicing this guy. <laughs> anyway. Welcome back. We're in it. Uh, you might hear a little bit of clipping. Two minutes into this episode, and we have yet to hit the through line. So what have I been doing all week? I've been trying to knock out multiple episodes of news time. I still have one to go, technically this week's episode, which should have come out before this, but it's a lot. And uh, so i got to find out something for that. And then uh, two podcasts. And then an interview I had with a comedian that'll be out in October. I'll talk about that next week. But uh, it's a good little interview. It uh, caused me to what made me <laughs> caused me to watch a show. I had to watch a show that I'd never seen before. I'd heard of. I did not know the premise of. I only heard the title of. And uh, you know what? I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. But it's not a show that is <laughs> that a lot of people are talking about. Because uh, it's it's a it's just a broadcast sitcom, and uh, you know I, I I think the pilot did its job <laughs> truthfully, and that's all I could ask it to do. Hey, let's get on with this first story. This comes from Variety, written by Matt Donnelly, David Kushner, journalist, 
behind A24 Zola to publish next book on Substack. Exclusive. Zola is a film that has recently come out. It's a, one of those art pieces, as, as told by the A24 moniker. What is that noise? Is that a motorcycle? Yeah, that's a motorcycle. The loudest motorcycle in the world. In the history of the planet. So I, I talked about uh, Substack, I believe, in the episode before last. Is reaching out to Hollywood. Doing graphic novels now. And they are picking people from both Marvel and DC's imprints. To own their own IP and to make comics solely for the Substack platform. Now, whether that be subscription, whether that's even going to be a hard copy at some point, that remains to be seen. But now Substack, upon getting into the other, you know, they were just newsletters where, uh, well, I guess I should get a rundown. If listened to two episodes ago. <laughs> But the, the the gist of it is that Substack is a newsletter platform for writers to s- sell their own subscriptions. Substack takes a very, very low amount, a very low cut, and you can sell subscriptions to your Substack or your newsletter, and, uh, and, and you can make a bank. A lot of people are making a ton of money, a ton of money on Substack, and they're just writing... You know, uh, daily, weekly, bi-weekly, bi-monthly newsletters. It's proven to be fruitful, and people are leaving their big publications like the New York Times, the Chicago uh, Sun Place. <laughs> I, I had it right in my head. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna correct myself. Uh, Casey Newton left the Verge. I want to keep saying Casey Newton because he's the only one I knew when he went over Substack. So, it works. Substack works. It is, it is, uh, is doing as well as, um, you know, uh, podcasts are doing for Patreon and as well as, or doing over at Patreon, rather. And then as well as uh, 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 porn is doing for um, OnlyFans. You think Substack will get in the porn? <laughs> it's, all, it's all lit erotica. Somebody was telling me this week that they had read, they read Literaka. Not had read, they currently do read Literaka. Uh, and I just kind of glazed over it because I didn't care. <laughs> that sounds mean. I was just like, all right, great. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that'd be, it'd be interesting if uh, Substack, but for Literaka. I mean, I'm sure it's already on there on Substack. They already have uh, alt-right content on there. So, <laughs> it's true. Uh, and I think Patreon does as well, um, and I would not doubt it if uh, OnlyFans had some. Anyway, uh, but they're not just for porn. As learned, as evidenced by the episode of News Time I did about OnlyFans, that was uh, I think three or four episodes back, two episodes back, two or three episodes back, uh, and I think I covered all the numbers there. So, uh, uh, oh God, I have to answer a text message, a very pertinent text message. Uh, hold on. Okay, it's coming. I'm almost done. All right. Uh, okay. So, um, so now we have Substack is uh, jumping into comic books, which is very lucrative. And now that these, and now the the writers and artists of comic books can own their own IP. Now we're moving into very quickly. I might add, like this is something that I think uh, came out of the came out of nowhere. So, uh, let's say. 
uh, is uh, this guy, Zola Ryder guy. Sorry, I'm just being thrown back by these, the, the mass amount of text messages I'm getting. He's going to be pub- he's going to be one of the first to publish a book. A book. Oh God, I have to answer another text message. Okay. Um, uh, okay. So, let's see. He's going to be the first one to publish a book. He's going to launch a subscription newsletter called Disruptor, and it's going to feature regular original reporting. Okay. So, Kushner's magazine articles have inspired films like uh, A24 Zola and upcoming projects involving Christian Bale and Spike Lee. Substack, a subscription newsletter service, will now be home to his new work. Masters of Disruption, How the Gamer Generation Built the Future, which will see a serialized release and feature multimedia components. This book is a sequel of sorts, to 2003 bestseller, Masters of Dune from Random House. So it's just going to be a book. It's just going to be a book release on there. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't I've never used the uh Substack platform in order to read a book, but it looks like Kushner told Variety that he views his upcoming manuscript as a quote post-book product, not only referring to its serialized nature, but also suggesting an evolution of all of the all text experience. Okay. Don't know how it'll work. And I, I don't know if it's going to be something that you can just like swipe through or you have to read through like this because uh, they didn't give any hint whatsoever. But I think that this is a this is a pretty neat way to, to step into more written uh, spaces. Where else could they go? Where else is uh, Substack amazing? So now they have newsletters. They have which newsletters can be treated as articles and stuff. Uh, now they, And then they have books and comics. So I guess the you know one I, I once they get into the audio so I think audio would be would come before uh, video and so all they have to do is just create some type of simple dedicated audio player uh, and have enough server they have obviously have enough server space for text stuff which only take you know kilobytes per if that per uh, per post so it would be. I, I would be interested in seeing them step into the audio space if. Um, if people want to do some type of daily or weekly radio show uh, in a podcast format, uh, really, and, uh, and and maybe you know implement some type of way to upload that and have their own RSS feeds and, and things of that nature, uh, and maybe that's already been figured out. Maybe somebody already has a way f- for them to just maybe they maybe you can embed your own audio uh, into what you do into what you do. Let me see. Substack. I'm searching this on the iPad so the computer doesn't slow down. <laughs> Substack audio. Substack audio is Googled. Uh, they have subscription podcasting through Substack. Okay. All right. They already have that. So then why, is it, why isn't it more prominent? Oh, yeah. They definitely do have an audio thing. They've moved into paid podcasts with the launch of the tool for audio publishing. The first Substack publisher of the tool is Anthony Pompleno, uh, who is launching a daily podcast for Off the Chain that will be available to paying subscribers. Wow. And so let me click on this Off the Chain thing. It's probably some alt-right content. <laughs> but there's already this guy, this guy from uh, 
oh, it's business and finance and tech industries. This guy has 185,000 subscribers, and you can join by signing up below. I don't want to do that. But I, I, I can only assume it works. But uh, maybe it just needs to be in a more prominent place for them to, uh, to bring it out and, uh, and let it be useful for everybody. So that means, I guess, if they already have audio, then some type of video uh, thing. But again, they could, you could just upload to YouTube and then just embed it over. But now that they, now that I know they have their own uh, audio thing, that's very that's a very enticing offer for somebody who wants to run I, their own business style stuff over there. Not me, I have no interest. This next one comes from Deadline, written by Dade Hayes. Paramount Plus and Showtime bundled in single service at teaser prices starting at ten dollars a month. So we knew this was going to be coming. So v, uh, Viacom, CBS, they uh, switched over CBS All Access to Paramount Plus earlier this year. And Showtime has been so both CBS All Access, uh, which is now Paramount Plus, and Showtime have been very lucrative for Viacom CBS. They're not doing obviously Netflix or Disney Plus numbers, but they have CBS All Access was the first one. It was before HBO Now. It was before uh, Peacock and Disney Plus and all of them, and it, and it, uh, where where people were like, you got to pay to watch CBS. Uh, the Viacom was like, or CBS before this is before Viacom CBS. CBS was like, no, we're, don't worry, this is gonna be great. Then they merge, and Viacom CBS says they're gonna take it to a higher level. And you know what? People have been signing up left and right. They've had a consistent, uh, consistently growing uh, set of uh, of numbers. <laughs> And Showtime has done extremely well. I guess people want to watch Billions. I don't know what else is on Showtime, but Jesus and Miro and Billions. Oh, and Vice. Uh, I haven't seen Vice since it's moved over. I haven't seen Vice in years. You know, when it was on HBO, I was really interested. And then it moved to Showtime. Well, first HBO canceled it. And then it moved to Showtime. And uh, and I just have no no drive to go watch it. But I'm, I'm glad it's around because it needs to. There's there needs to be some type of independent news source. Uh, other than PBS. It's like PBS, but for hipsters. <laughs> so the starting price right now is going to be $10 a month. And that's locked in forever. So this happens October 20th is when this ends. So right now you can sign up for Showtime and Paramount Plus Bundle forever, as long as you stay subscribed, for $10 a month. Now at $10 gets you Showtime but then also gets you ad-supported Paramount+. Plus, Or you can pay $13 for the ad-free option. Now, listen to this. This is a good deal no matter what, no matter which one you choose. Paramount Plus is $5 for ads and $10 for no ads, and Showtime is $11. So at most, you'd be paying $22. So if you get in now with this $13 ad-free option, it sounds like I'm on QVC. QVC. I'd be the worst QVC salesman. I've seen the movie Joy, and I have no interest in watching it again. <laughs> The bundle has been offered since 2020. What? As a uh, $10 a month add-on option through Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus, excuse me. Today's promotion marks the arrival of its direct consumer, direct to consumer offering. I just deleted like seven words in the middle of that sentence. There's going to be uh, yeah. so then there are, so with this, there's also the joint venture that was mentioned last month with uh, Comcast for Sky Showtime in Europe, which also includes 
the very specialized services such as Noggin and BET Plus. But there's no other bundle except for Paramount in America for Paramount Plus, except for Paramount Plus and Showtime. This is just like the Disney bundle, and eventually everything is going to be bundled together, and I don't like it at all. But it is a good deal for ten or thirteen dollars. Now, continue off that. This comes from the Hollywood Reporter, written by George Zalai and Alex Weprin. <laughs> Despite risks. Viacom CBS's streaming push is convincing Wall Street so far. The all-in Paramount Plus effort is an uphill climb, but some financial insiders are becoming less skeptical of the media giant as a buyer rather than acquisition target. So what that subhead was get, subly was getting to is Netflix, and I've and I've harped on this before. Netflix just constantly buys other people's shows. And not the ones that it puts the Netflix originals on. It, it buys for Netflix originals. I'm talking about acquires, like Seinfeld. It's acquiring the streaming rights for Seinfeld. Uh, but Viacom CBS would rather have less things on its streaming service, on its main streaming service, in order to have a cheaper and better and more sustainable product. The company plans to double its streaming content spend to bulk up streamer Paramount Plus. As I just say, it doesn't want to buy all that stuff. It currently spends $15 billion annually, split, split between linear and digital, and is hunting for partnerships. So partnerships is the word. That's, the word. That's what it needs to get after. Wells Fargo analyst Stephen Cajal raised his stock rating on Viacom CBS to overweight in mid-August, saying, quote, Streaming efforts are bearing fruit and have impressed us, so we move from historical bears to constructive bulls. Which means that they're they're ready on it. They're bullish. That's a real term from uh, stocks. <laughs> K-Hall even decided to use a Hulu-esque valuation because of parallels and strategy for the company's streaming business. Historically, we have our we have been bears and saw streaming as a show me story. They've shown us by the end of 2022. He forecasts 70 million subscription VOD subscribers and 147 million uh, subscription VOD and advertising VOD subscribers, with around eight billion dollars in streaming revenue, which is really good. You can hear those numbers. Those are fantastic numbers. So Wall Street's excited because they see the consistency that is coming in with Paramount Plus and in many cases Showtime. Because Showtime is, you know, Showtime's always been going head to head with with HBO. It's always been the other one. And even though it does have good original shows that make you may make you go, why am I watching this on Showtime? <laughs> it's good that it can uh it can it can be uh, I don't know what what what's, what's, what am I talking about? Uh, it's good that it can it can be uh, something that can compete, that people seem to want that product, especially uh, when they when when there is a Netflix, when there is a Disney Plus, when they can when HBO has released a when uh, Warner has released a, a a bloated broken mess such as HBO Max, and like I said, HBO Max is probably my favorite, <laughs> right up there with Hulu. If Hulu just moves my stuff on the, if you have the TV app of Hulu, go to the TV app, 
on the consoles, on a streaming device, just go to the TV app. They moved all of your stuff to the end of the line. So it gets like home, TV, movies, sports. It's just like, oh my gosh. So, uh, but on the on the phone app and on the iPad app, and, and uh, yeah, phone and iPad, I believe, you can access my stuff at the right there on the bottom on any page. You can access it. It's, it's, it's insane. I hate that. And I know they want you to discover more things. And Netflix does this too. And uh, uh, Paramount Plus does it. Everybody but... Hold on. Who else does it? This pisses me off. They're all hiding your list. That's the problem. They're all hiding your stuff in your list. And so now I'm going to look at every single one of these friggin' apps to see who does it. Uh, Alright, see, look at this. Look at this. Look at this on Netflix. I can't even... Where's my list? Where's my list? There's continue watching, there's trending now, and then my list is the third thing down. I'm not going to put it on focus because I don't want you to see what's on my list. <laughs> Let's see. Hulu. Hulu's loading up. There's a little splash screen. So my stuff is down here, and it still works. Don't want you to see the things I watch. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel Live and Holy Moly? <laughs> what is this guy into? Let's do it. Let's do Prime Video. We're gonna do this every single one. Oh, there's a there's a Savage Cross Fenty show. I've never seen one, and I never played on it. Okay, so you can access my stuff, but you still have to scroll over. You, have to, you can access my stuff on on here, but you still have to scroll over to watch list. Ugh. Yes, I'm rewatching Mad Men again. <laughs> All right, there's Rio Max. This is good, <laughs> right? I gotta fill up thirty minutes somehow. It takes so uh, continue watching is right there watching Secession again, obviously, before it starts up again. So my list is the third thing down. I don't care what's for me. I don't need that. It's gonna Showtime anytime, even that's the cable product. It does not matter. All right, so you have to hit the three buttons up top to get to my list. Not much on there. I'm sorry, Showtime. <laughs> you know, Contact, uh, the movie, has been uh, on, I think, like seven different streaming services. And I refuse to uh, watch it. But it's on my list every single time. All right. I'm not logged into Stars, But if I was, it would still take a long time to get there. <laughs> yeah, let's get a Paramount Plus. I just watched two episodes of uh, Big Brother. And by watched, it means I skipped through it. I didn't watch it for real. Okay. Paramount Plus. Load it up. Scroll down. Keep watching is right there. And then my list is second. All right. Paramount Plus did a good job. Peacock. This is the last one I have, I promise. <laughs> I don't have Discovery Plus. Uh, so you still have to... It, you're, the first thing brought up continue watching and then watch list. So there you go. I mean, it's uh, how hard is it to put the watch list immediately? I just did like the I'm going to come to the thing. I will I will I will come to the app and I will and I will and I'll and I'll I want to watch what I want to watch. Viacom CBS. This is interesting. Has recently Oh, Johnny's here. Viacom CBS. Oh, this is interesting, Ed. Oh, is it? <laughs> I can't do that, man. Indeed, Viacom CBS has, you know, re- uh, the, the Viacom CBS, you know, they've been in the news. <laughs> really? <laughs> my Ed McMahon's gotten worse. 
<laughs> Indeed, because I practice these at home by myself, and I am at home by myself. Indeed, Viacom C. Well, let me the cats over there. Her birthday is Monday. Happy birthday, Nova. She uh, she did move when I said that, but she was licking herself. Indeed, Viacom CBS has recently been mentioned as a potential suitor of smaller takeover targets in the entertainment space, such as AMC Networks, whose premium content hits like The Walking Dead are seen as appealing to anyone with an appetite for deeper streaming library. You'll also notice that AMC uh, has AMC Plus, and that has been pretty fruitful for AMC as well, for AMC Networks. There's a difference between AMC Networks and AMC Theaters. And uh, when I Google things for news time sometimes it uh excuse me when i bing things for news time sometimes <laughs> it uh it, the first thing like if i'm if i'm googling uh searching for amc um theaters stuff and it's always amc networks that pops up i keep getting casting notices for a show they, they keep asking for extras and uh, i haven't done extra work in quite some time Others see Viacom CBS as an attractive takeover target. I don't know if, and uh, in, in, in the K Hall wrote, uh, you know how Amazon is uh, is buying MGM, and then Apple uh, looked at Hello Sunshine before it sold the company to former uh, uh, Disney executives. Okay, I'm getting the phone call. Let's put this on pause. Uh, we'll be right back with the Constitutionals. Here we go. And we're back. Let's get back to this. So, where were we? So, the the chances of somebody buying up Viacom CBS, that has been discussed before. And we don't know if it's true or not. But Discovery struck a deal for Warner Media. And they will be paying a percentage of that of those returns back to AT&T at some point, uh, for, I think, over the next three years. I think that's how long that is. But Discovery now technically owns WarnerMedia. So who could buy Viacom CBS? It was supposed to Comcast was the, the, the biggest thing, but uh, which or NBC Universal, Comcast, whatever. Uh, but who, I don't think that's going to work. And, you know, quite frankly, I think Viacom CBS is small enough to keep maneuvering itself. But they have had Viacom, uh, the before even getting back together with CBS, has had the biggest problem with cable packaging because they always, they drive up the price of cable. I mean, cable is already, you know, expensive on its, in its own right. But they drive up the price because they want a bigger cut for people to have access to Comedy Central, BET, MTV, and the rest of those networks. But that you saw that happen with both YouTube TV and Hulu with live TV. They used to be 50 bucks, and then the Viacom joins the ranks, and now they're 65 each, which is uh, a terrible, terrible thing. So let's finish this off. Nope, there's two more stories. <laughs> Let's get into the next story. This also comes from Hollywood Reporter, written by J. Claire Chan. Disney CEO says talent deals undergoing reset after Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. This comes from uh, Bob Chapek's old bald head. And listen, Chapek, I'm going to be making fun of you. I never made fun of Iger, but I'm going to make fun of you because this is a big screw up. <laughs> and I'm going to blame you for it because <laughs> I don't side with my enemies. My enemies 
are Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans. <laughs> and now Tom Holland. Uh, <laughs> you never ever know Tom Holland's never starred opposite of a person of color uh, in a movie before, except for Spider-Man. So... <laughs> We uh, <laughs> so uh, so Scarlett Johansson obviously suing Disney because of the uh, the 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 limited release of or the the broken release of Black Widow on Disney Plus premiere and in theaters and the limited amount of money is what I meant to say that she received as a result of this being in the middle of pandemic pandemic. <laughs> Okay, that's the title episode. Pandemic. Middle of the pandemic. Okay. And JPEG essentially came out and said, We're, we don't support this. But now I think that these legal proceedings have really thrown a wrench in the gears. Mm. And uh, and I think they're gonna they're gonna come to some type of settlement over the next month or so. I don't think anytime soon, but over the next month or so, in regards to Scarlett Johansson, I think she's requesting fifty million or a hundred million. I think it might be fifty million, and uh, I think that they, they will come to a, a handsome payment for her or a, a beautiful payment. She's a woman. <laughs> so now, Chapek says this reset. And the future agreements will need to uh, take into account the changes to movie release windows accelerated by a pandemic, which means that there's going to be something uh, written inside of the margins of the of the f- future and maybe even current or most recent uh, contracts saying if this releases on Disney Plus, you will take a hit. <laughs> if, or, or they'll say if you releases on streaming, you will take a hit. They'll say take a hit. There's a song called Take a Shot for Me, and I don't know who sings it. Take a shot for me. Oh, it's Drake. It's Drake. <laughs> I hope I don't get a content strike just for mentioning it on YouTube. That's how weak that system is. Chakepeg did not explicitly mention Johansson in her lawsuit, but referred to deals cut three or four years ago, like I said, recent, on films that made made during that time that got launched during the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, he's just trying to get out of uh, paying extra money to people who have the same ideas. Last month, Disney secured deals with Emma Stone for Cruella, Cruella 2, Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt for Jungle Cruise 2. Wow. I mean, those are the, those are the latest uh, the talent agreements that they've had. And so I guarantee inside of those, those contracts, why is there a Cruella 2? I understand Jungle Cruise 2. I haven't seen the movie, but uh, it's an adventure movie, and I can only assume that it, just like Jumanji, another rock joint, and even wait, I was, I was thinking Jumanji. I said Jumanji, and I was thinking also Jumanji, <laughs> but uh, but movies like that they need sequels. But why does Cruella get another sequel? Like why, like why does Maleficent have two movies? What is the second Maleficent, the Evil World, or something like that? I don't know what that that second movie is. Why does why did Johnny Johnny Depp? I was gonna say why does Pirates of the Caribbean have five movies? But Johnny Depp, I was at the gym running this morning, and I looked up, uh, and as I was watching the, like the I have Peloton on my phone, so I was watching Peloton on my phone because uh, I hate watching TV in the gym. But I looked up, and I saw 
after the Today Show went to commercial, Johnny Depp was rocking on a guitar. And he's in a commercial for, I think, Dior uh, Cologne. And uh, I just thought, why are we giving this man uh, time and space? And for that matter, why are we giving Amber Heard time and space? (laughs) Get them both out of (laughs) here. Both trash people. Anyone who's been in a superhero movie, get out of here. I don't like anyone who's been in a superhero movie. Except for Dwayne Johnson, he's cool. He probably voted Republican, though. (laughs) This next one, the final one, comes from Variety, written by Minori Ravindran. No formal accountability for racism in UK film and television industry. Landmark study finds... So this goes along with the study from the uh, studies from the last episode of the Constitutionals that I did in regards to uh, race and sex and uh, to some extent, I don't know if I mentioned disability, but to some extent disability uh, in front of and behind the camera, especially over the past couple of years. And we've learned that there's been marginal increases, but not by much. Then you have Frances McDormand, you know, get up on the, in the Oscar stage and say inclusion writer and then have every friggin' actor in the industry stand up and clap and then nothing happened for the past uh, four years, three or four years. So it turns out the UK is also not doing very well when it comes to this stuff. And who I could have told you that at the, what was it, the BAFTAs a couple years ago when there were no people of color and they stood up and said... Uh, that uh, that we are ashamed of ourselves. We are ashamed of ourselves. I don't. Ooh, what kind of accent was that? We, I'm British, and we all ashamed of ourselves. I do, it doesn't work. I, I'm usually good at British accents. Ask everybody I know. It doesn't. It doesn't turn into this at the end of the day. <laughs> Two landmark studies have found that the sector is falling dangerously short of monitoring and evaluating its own initiatives and is losing an older generation of black, Asian, and minority ethic, which they call BAME, B-A-M-E, workers by focusing too intently on fresh talent. Oh, so it's even the it's even the older crowd. Wow. Uh, so this was commissioned by the London Headquartered Film and TV Charity. The studies examined, respectively, racial diversity initiatives and anti-racism in the UK industry. Hmm. They suggest that creative diversity agendas have shied away from heavy-hitting interrogations of racism within the sector, and worse still, that there is no formal accountability on racism in the industry. So this is just talking about straight-up race, like the things that that plague that side, especially in the UK. Like we think, we think we have it not too good. In the UK, try. Have you ever seen uh, like masterpiece theater uh, on PBS or? Uh, truly anything that comes out of the UK, you know, if it doesn't have Idris Elba in it, uh, it then it's going to be, that's why, that's why all those people come over to Hollywood and do Hollywood things. Uh, a, it's more lucrative, but B, there's just no roles for them. And by them, I mean the darkies. Please cut that out and, and, and post it. <laughs> Give me any type of traction. So this is from one of the, I'm trying to find the person, the name's person, I just, the name of the person, Professor Sarita Malik. They examined film and television diversity initiatives over the past 20 years. Uh, this professor, along with Dr. Clive Wonka. Their analysis reveals a, quote, knowledge deficit within the sector resulting from a failure 
among the institutions responsible for diversity funding and training to be transparent about their impact. This has contributed to a stagnation in the diversity initiatives over the last 20 years, as there's a dearth of reliable data on how effective these programs have been historically. There's a lost generation of older people talking about black and Asian communities. I mean, it's, it's again, this goes along with the things from before. The studies from before from the Color of Change and uh, Annenberg Inclusion Initiative. It's in order to like the, these these studies uh, prove that there's you know tokenism and, and uh, toxic nature in, in the in both of these in the in the entertainment industry as a whole. And in order for us to move forward, it's going to be imperative that we start casting uh, women, people of color, and people who are differently abled. In, in similar roles to that of uh, the uh, white men and women who get those roles all the time. Uh, you know, but anything that's bereft of race, like, like anything short of a character going, you know, get your white butt over here, then they could be cast in it. I mean, I mean, truly, it's it's insane. It's uh, yeah. And there's and they've there there have been think pieces on this. People talking about this stuff all the time, but then you know it's kind of uh, cast it aside when I'm just harkening back to Disney. And look, Chapek, hire me, baby. I'll take any contract you put in front of me. But <laughs> this is true. But this is you know when when a Disney movie comes out or when uh, uh, there's um you know. Who else? Who else is bad at this? When, oh, when there's like even a commercial where there has to be a family and the families, or like there has to be a couple. Let's let's stay with it. Something easy, something simple, and the couple you know looks the same. It's a a brunette haired man and a brunette haired woman. I mean, the easiest things to do again, anything short of get your white butt over here, just cast people. Who cares? Like. Uh, if it's a commercial where there's a couple already, you know, just standing there and they're talking about, we should redo the carpet in the house. And here's the best carpet cleaner for the carpet carpet. <laughs> they, you know, put a put a person in a wheelchair uh, with standing next to uh, another person. I mean, sitting next to <laughs> God. Uh, you, you, get, you get my drift, though. It's just you can only go so far when. When whenever you're just. Uh, I mean, CBS is doing a did did a great job this year casting Big Brother and now we're about to have a, a black Big Brother winner and and uh even even with Survivor the the cast this season is very diverse uh but then we have shows like and I understand that the 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 idea the theme of the show is that white people go to an island on vacation and and they have to look back at them you know themselves but uh the white lotus you know, it's a show. It's a show star about white people starring white people, uh, and even a show I I enjoy and I'm watching again uh, and I'm enjoying it the second time through. Succession. It's <laughs> it's a show about a white family and there's no people of color except for the you know there's one character, and I think he played. No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I was about to say something. I thought he I thought he played a uh, Barack Obama in a movie, but I don't think he did. Um, I'm the racist. And, and it's, it's, you know, seeing this, it just, it, there needs to be more casting, like more casting and just better casting and, 
and I, I just I can't. That's why that's why I can't watch a lot of stuff anymore because it's just not it's just not worth it. And the UK is a very big problem with this. Even if I think Greta Gerwig and Olivia Wilde think, even if I know that they don't cast people of color, imagine that for every for every single uh, filmmaker over there in the UK and television maker in the UK. Yeah, I said it. But again, I'll work with you if you hire me. <laughs> All right, listen, I'm tired. Let's stop doing this. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you heard here, head to the website, seaplescomedy.com, where you can see me talk with your favorite comedians. Next week, uh, I will reveal who the person is that I spoke to. Then, if you want to see a video version of the show, head on over to youtube.com slash seaplescomedy, where you can see me sitting and answering a phone call and getting flabbergasted, thrown off of my game because I keep getting texts. You can uh, also on youtube.com slash comedy, you can see my knee hurts. You can see uh, I just shrank like 10 feet. You can see a video version. Uh, a video version. You can see a News Time, which is our premiere news show this week's episode. Technically, I have not done yet and I don't know the story. I think I have the story, but... Last week's episode is about uh, you know what I don't know I don't know what last week's episode's about that is interesting uh, but thanks for listening I appreciate it I gotta go goodbye.